Four young people were kidnapped and murdered from a small-town fast food restaurant. There were no suspects. And this wasn't the top story. Find out what was on this episode of Top Fold. Welcome to Top Fold, a podcast about all the news that would have been. I'm your host, Luke Hefley. Here at Top Fold, we explore monumental events that didn't make the top story only because that spot was already taken. Have you ever heard of Burger Chef? Founded in 1954, it was a fast food hamburger franchise restaurant that by the 1970s had over a thousand locations, especially in small towns all across America. Think Dollar General, but with burgers. By 1972, only McDonald's had more locations. Burger Chef was as popular for being a teenage hangout as much as it was for the burgers and fries themselves. On any given Friday night across America, the place would host teens from all over, making it the place to be. The Burger Chef in Speedway, Indiana, population around 12,000, was no different. Speedway is now an enclave of Indianapolis, and at the time it was just a few miles from downtown. Not only were kids in the restaurant, but kids also ran the restaurant. On this evening, Jan Freet, age 20, Ruth Shelton, 18, and Danny Davis and Mark Flemons, who were both 16, were working the late evening shift, flipping burgers and making orders like normal. Sadly, this shift ended up being anything but typical. Just after midnight, a friend of the group, who was also an employee, came by the back door, and oddly, no one was there. The door was unlocked. The employee's items, jackets, purses, etc., were still there, but there were no workers. Because he noticed the safe was open and multiple items were disheveled, he called the police. At first, the authorities didn't think this was an actual robbery. When the manager arrived, it was determined that only $581 were missing. There were over $100 in rolled-up coins left in the safe, and because the employees' items were still on site, they initially thought it was the kids themselves being very irresponsible, taking the money to go party, and not thinking through the crime. This was the first of many missteps by the local police department and those in charge. Later, the officers admitted they took no initial crime scene photos, and allowed the restaurant to reopen the very next morning after the crew cleaned up what they later realized was a major crime scene. When none of the four showed up to their homes or to work the next day, their parents became worried, and things changed. Later that Saturday, Freet's Chevy Vega was located, unlocked and abandoned in the middle of town, and now foul play was suspected. On Sunday morning, almost 36 hours after they went missing, some hikers discovered all four Burger Chef employees dead. Ruth Shelton and Danny Davis were face down, shot execution style, while Jane Freet was stabbed twice in the heart with so much force that the blade broke off and was still in her body. Mark Flemons had been bludgeoned to death. These were four brutal, senseless murders. Although the kidnapping and murder of four young people should have been the headline news all across the nation, it wasn't. What could have kept the news of four young people being viciously murdered with no known suspects from being the main story. How could such a tragedy not be the top story across Indiana and the nation? Instead, on this day and for days and weeks to come, everyone was talking about another tragic event. News from a small town in South America almost 3,000 miles away from Speedway, Indiana. Well, it actually wasn't even a town or a village. Unconfirmed reports were coming from deep in the jungle of the unthinkable. 
a possible mass suicide of hundreds of Americans from a place commonly known as Jonestown. That's right, instead of the news of a brutal crime in the nation's heartland, the country and the world were learning about a delusional, charismatic leader by the name of Jim Jones, the People's Temple Agricultural Project, the assassination of a sitting U.S. congressman, and a mass suicide of hundreds of Americans. The initial report on November 18, 1978, was that California's congressman, Leo Ryan, had been gunned down. Ryan had been on a fact-finding mission on behalf of family members of Jones's followers who claimed that their loved ones were being treated very poorly. At first, all seemed fine. Meals were plentiful, and there was a large revival with hymns and testimonies about the benefits of Jonestown. Then, someone slipped a note to the congressman telling him that they wanted to leave, but they feared for their lives if Jones found out. Jones told Ryan it was a lie, and if anyone wanted to return to California, they could do so. Congressman Ryan and a handful of defectors left Jonestown for the airstrip. However, Jones, knowing all his power was lost, ordered his men to follow him to the airstrip and kill them all. Jones's assassins murdered a total of five people, including the congressman. Jackie Speer, a congressional aide, shielded herself behind the airplane wheels. Although she had been shot five times, miraculously, she survived. Others, some with gunshot wounds, fled into the jungle, escaping certain death. Knowing the end was near, Jones ordered his followers to gather together and follow his last command. This meant ending it all by consuming cyanide mixed with a grape-flavored drink from large tubs. It's a misconception that it was Kool-Aid. The brand was actually Flavor-Aid. Early media reports claimed that it was Kool-Aid, and most people still believe that to this day. This is where the phrase, don't drink the Kool-Aid, comes from, meaning to blindly follow a disastrous idea or dangerous person. Being in such a remote area with such a chaotic chain of events, the news reports were sporadic and unreliable. For the first 24 hours, hardly anyone in the United States truly knew the depth of the Jonestown tragedy. Each passing hour, conflicting reports were given about what happened, if Jones and his followers were alive, and if they might be coming back to America. Initially, it was reported that 400 had died, giving hope that hundreds may have escaped and were still alive. Jones also had people in Georgetown, Guyana, the nation's capital, which was 24 miles from Jonestown. These were his communications team that kept in touch with the people back in the U.S. He gave orders for them to commit suicide and kill any members who disobeyed his order. Some did, but not all. There was also a group of young men, including three of Jones's sons, who were in Georgetown playing for the People's Temple basketball team, a team created by Jones to bring positive publicity about the People's Temple compound. On this day, during a call from his father, Stephen Jones was told they were going to meet Mr. Fraser, which he knew was code for revolutionary suicide. Hopeful there was another way, he and his brothers, along with the others, disobeyed. They went to the U.S. Embassy to get the authorities to go to Jonestown and stop the massacre, but weren't allowed in the building because news had already broken about the congressman's execution. Authorities were worried that the brothers were involved. Even if they had been allowed in, it would have been too late to reach the compound. When the authorities were finally able to reach Jonestown, they couldn't believe what they discovered. Over 900 followers, including Jones, lay dead. 
This huge mass casualty event led the front pages and headlines for days. Each day, something new came out about how Jones and his followers lived deep in the jungle, including firsthand stories from survivors of what they had endured. The nation was mesmerized by how a single man could lead almost a thousand people to their deaths. Back in Indiana, the police started investigating the brutal Burger Chef murders, but were now far behind in the investigation. They even had to admit that the crime scene photos released were recreated. A couple of kids came forward and said they recognized two people who had been hanging out behind the burger chef that night. Police even had models of the suspects created in clay, but it was to no avail. With the nation's eyes elsewhere, this crime wouldn't get the headlines it so rightfully deserved, and the crucial time immediately after a crime, when most are solved, sadly evaporated. Coincidentally, Jim Jones had started his ministry in Indianapolis, Indiana. For 10 years, from 1955 to 1965, the People's Temple recruited from all over Indianapolis, including from Speedway. Jones was born and raised in Indiana, and when the news hit about Jonestown, many in the state were very familiar with his story. That connection sadly took attention away from the story of the Burger Chef murders, making them less known around the state and the nation. Many years later, a prisoner by the name of Donald Forrester confessed to being a part of the Burger Chef murders. He claimed a relative of one of the employees owed drug money and that the murders had been a job gone bad. He had even described the broken knife, which wasn't well known in the media, and the precise location of the bodies. He gave the names of the others who supposedly also committed the crime. Shockingly, someone in the police department leaked that information, and Forrester then recanted his admission claiming he was coerced, and from that point on, no longer cooperative. Because some of his stories couldn't be proven, and with the police lacking hard evidence, he was never charged. He died in prison in 2006. Jonestown, of course, is no more. The jungle has retaken the compound. Some boards from the many huts that were built, rusty metal pieces from the tubs, and parts of vehicles that haven't completely rusted away are the only things left. Jackie Spear, who survived being shot that day, was elected to Congress herself in 2008, representing most of the same district that Congressman Ryan did back in 1978. The Burger Chef murders remain unsolved to this day. Many wonder that if during the initial days and weeks the news of the crime could have been more widespread, someone might have came forward with evidence of who took those innocent lives. We may never know, because on November 18, 1978, a delusional cult leader convinced his followers to take their own lives in a place located deep in the South American jungle called Jonestown. And there you have it, all the news that would have been. Thank you for joining us this week on Top Fold. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Top Fold Podcast and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen to your favorite podcast. All my sources and research can be found at topfold.buzzsprout.com. There, along with other things that bring history to life. I'd like to thank David Wagler for the music. And if you like the show, please rate us and give us a review or simply tell a friend. That would be great. So until next time, there you have it. All the news that would have been. <laughs>